Issue number three, the bald chick. What's with her head? Let's start with Sean. What gives, cue ball? I'm looking at you, I'm thinking 14 in the side pocket. I can't believe you're talking about my hair with all the bloody starvation and the suffering in the world right now. Come on, swing, baby, you platinum. You answered a rocket, you're trying to get out of my face. It's gone. What are you doing? That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You are qualified, MF. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now? Hey, kids. With a heavy heart, it is your old pal, ML Elric, checking in. There are many reasons for my sorrow today. First, first it could be the weekend full of scrubbing toilets and tubs in East Lansing that I'm still recovering from. There are nerves in my fingertips that may never, ever regain feeling. Then there's sorrow over the passing of Sinead O'Connor, which we're going to talk about in room 7609. And then just as I thought that I would draw on my last reserves of strength to somehow fight through to carry on, Paul Rubens is dead. So... That one was crushing. If we could have a moment of silence, if you could all just be quiet and put your hands where we can see them for a moment, let's remember Pee Wee. Good. And if you're putting your hands where you shouldn't and you're thinking Pee Wee, that's, that's probably... I love that story. That's not, <laughs> that's not good at all. So that's three, Sinead, Pee Wee. Who's, who's who's, or that's two. Who's the third? Who's next? Hmm. Tony oh, Bennett? Boy. Does Tony Bennett Tony count? Bennett, yeah, I suppose. Really? I mean, he's been dead forever, but officially died yeah. this past weekend. I don't know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's somebody out there who should be very nervous in the entertainment industry. Is this, does Keith Richards finally get it? Is this, that guy, he's never dying. What are you talking about? Well, he's Richards? never going to be embalmed, but he's going to die at some point. No, he's not. He's going to live forever. Really? Can't kill that guy. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, Methuselah. Maybe it's, maybe it's not too late to start taking heroin. But I don't recommend that. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. I, I take it back. That's not, not, that's not the key to longevity. And I got to say, life. you're the only person I know that was a Sinead O'Connor fan. Really? Only person. Wow. Um, I can only name one song, and she didn't even write it. So you don't know nope. very many people, is what you're saying. No, I know, not, I know a lot of people. she had fans. No, I know she had fans. <laughs> Did you like her? I liked her voice, but maybe Did not you the like- music. Name one song other than uh, uh, Ma- Ma- Manike, Manike. What, what, good job. Congratulations. Mandinka. Mandinka. That's, yeah. That's it your, flowed right off your tongue. It's a great song. So this is like last week when Sean does his new wave research. He <laughs> says, do you like the primitive? Actually, I, I, I went back and looked. It's the primitives. And I do remember, I think we played them in Room Sim 609 very early on with Sick of It. That's, that's not their biggest hit, but it's easily their best song. But... Look, I know she has fans. I know she was beloved. I think the whole Pope thing, she got kind of a raw deal. I don't think she, she was right. I think people Wait, talk about being ahead of the curve on that. Sure, eh? sure. And I think people react. I mean, they boot her off the stage a few days later in a Bob Dylan. Did you, did you see the great story? Did you? Uh, I don't. You probably don't remember this, but there was a great story where Chris Christopherson was sent out at some concert where she was getting booed. This is right around yeah, that time. I think same that was time. the Dylan concert. Yeah, and he was sent out to get her off the stage. He's like, I'm not going to do that. He went out and put his arm around her and helped her get going. That's when, she, that's when he said, don't let the bastards get you down. 
Yeah. I just I don't I don't know any, that's I'm fascinated that you love her music. Can't I just to didn't I can't wait that, to hear more. There there were that many papists at a Bob Dylan concert. I thought that was kind of a protest crowd to begin with. Kind of like kind of like you can't wait to hear Room Seven Six Oh Nine. Is that is that the same vibe? Just trying to move it along. Let's go right okay. to it. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no. She she was great. She was incredibly talented ahead of her time when she when uh, the Lion and the Cobra came out. When she had Lay Your Hands on Me, she had MC Light rapping on it. So not only was she a pioneer, but she brought another pioneer into it. It was a mashup long before Run DMC hooked up with Aerosmith. She was ahead of her time in so many ways, and the music was so good that it's um, it's a shame that a lot of the political stuff got in the way, but, uh, but she was willing to pay the price to say what she had to say, and that's kind of what this show is all about. Right, Sean? Whatever you say. Sean is still doing his moment of silence. Oh, no, no. Whatever, whatever you say. I was just waiting for you to finish. I, I wasn't sure when it was going to come. Yeah, no, no. That was that was nice. Nice uh, opening there, soliloquy. So we have a little more news about someone who's not with us, but they're still alive. Do you have finger feeling in your fingers yet? What? No, but my, my hands still work. I may exercise them around somebody's Oh, from throat. cleaning in East Lansing? Yeah. yeah, from, yeah, yeah it's yeah. nice someone cleaned up there. Scrubbing yeah, toilets and showers. You know, have you ever seen... You look seen, a little tired today, by the way. Have you ever seen a bathroom <laughs> or a shower where you say, if I got into that, I would come out dirtier? Oh, yeah. Yeah, really? I went to college, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, we lived God. in a dump. I don't know. Isn't that part of the experience? I, I, no. I mean, you're not supposed to go to school to get to get uh, some sort of disease. I'm, I can't rule out... That COVID didn't start in one of the toilets in this rental house we have. I I was shocked and appalled to discover. Now, you want to pick up the rest of that Smith song, Sean? No, no, no. I was just thinking about you wanting to put your hands on my neck, and uh, I want to lay I want to lay my hands on you, just, just like Sinead. Just look, disappointing, because you know, just like Sinead, my hero. Speaking of taking care, very things. handsome. You look a little tired today, but other than that, still fetching. Regarding taking care of things around the house, um, and I was talking about this with Drew, so. My washing machine gave me one of those errors. What do you do when a washing machine gives you an error? Unplug it and plug it back in. Yeah. Okay. That. What, what happens when that doesn't work? YouTube. Uh, go get a new one. YouTube. You go to YouTube. And then you go get a new one? Okay. I mean, how long <laughs> have you had it? Oh, forever, but I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a monster. I took the whole thing apart because yeah. I was so angry at it. Oh, I, um, because I, you're special and appliances should last for you double what everybody else. No, because I figure if I take it apart and I can't fix it, I have to get a new one anyway. So why not uh, attempt to you I know, see. clean so you it up? Sleep. A lot so of times you can take something apart and clean it up and it works just fine. And I did that and I put it, I found what the problem was. It was like a washcloth got behind the basin and was covering the filter pump, blah, 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 blah. I put it back together. <laughs> Things seem to be working, and then I realized, hey, what do these two screws go to? <laughs> I just had two screws left over. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I guess it works. I, this is fixed for me. And those uh, screws will sit on a sill somewhere for how long? Well, ab- Years. After I told the story before, I got home, and I texted Brandon because I was like, oh, it hit me. I, I knew where they went. It was just a panel in the back that was holding on the top. So I, I felt like a man. I successfully You're lucky. fixed something. Usually when that happens, it's something that, that you need to stop vibrations. So when you don't mm-hmm. put it in there, then things, they work for a while, then exactly. they, they get off kilter and then the whole thing freezes. I did that with a dryer. YouTube had the exact dryer. This is an ancient dryer from my grandma. They had the exact thing. I took it apart and I'm like, why can't I get this apart? Well, it turns out my dryer had some parts that had been welded together that in the 
thing on YouTube that's just a bolt. So I'm trying to get, I can't, why can't I set five? I finally called my buddy, Bobby, who's uh Mr. Fix everything up. He's a stage hand at Fox two lives nearby. He came there by and said, yeah, that, that's welded. That's not right. So don't do that. And then the, we just needed a new belt for the dryer. So and you then still the, have the dryer. No, because the flood came and it destroyed oh, the dryer. Oh, yeah. So that was... We but you do it. have a car of similar vintage, so that's good. Uh, I think the dryer was older than the Riviera, but uh, but the Riviera is still running. I like so. fixing things. I just can't do it. You can never do it. I, I fixed cabinet doors. I fixed uh, all kinds of shit this weekend. Well, because I can do that, but it's just it's never good. I should have known when I saw the poster John Belushi wearing the sweatshirt that says college on the wall in the living room that I was in for a problem. <laughs> that should have been the first clue. Nice tenants. Jeez. This was going to be a lot. They're great kids. They're just not what I would gross. call. But okay, last bit of bad news. Uh, we are hoping to have a divine presence with us, uh, camera Jesus, but he's not here. The good news is it's not because of anybody named Pilot. It's just he's out of town, and so he will not be joining us today, but he will be here another time. Who is with us here, though, is his collaborators on a, I'm going to call it an art installation on the east side, although it's um, it's a very commercial thing, but it's it's a work of beauty. If you've been by the Cadu Cafe, which, in full disclosure, we have to say is a sponsor of the show, <laughs> you will see... This fantastic sign at the corner of John is it is it Minneapolis and Cadu or is Waveney. that Waveney and and Cadu okay and uh, it's super cool and it's done by a local artist whose work you've seen all over town you just didn't know it who's also a high school classmate of mine mm. so hopefully he's not going to tell any of those stories yeah we try not to yeah no <laughs> I, I don't I, but the thing is Alex I don't have anything on you and I don't know that. You have anything other, on me other than it seemed like that kid spent a lot of time upside down in toilets with his head. Yeah, we'll keep it swirled. So yeah, that's between us. So Alex Porby is here to talk about how this artwork came together and some of the other projects he's working on. If you've been to any of the coolest spots in Detroit, some of the places that come to mind: the Apparatus Room, the old fire headquarters downtown, now a very high-end boutique hotel and bar. Uh, you'll see some of Alex's work in there. So we're going to talk a little bit about how that came together. And all of these conversations are brought to you by our generous sponsors. Luke Nowacki, who is our presenting sponsor, and Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. We're going to tell you how Luke can help you get ready for the future, how you can plan for your retirement and make sure your money's working for you because you work for it. Let it do some work for you. That's the way to go. The Cadu Cafe, of course, and I believe the bricklayers are still looking for apprentices. So we're going to tell you how you can get a jump start on a great career, maybe make a career change and make a lot of dough in the process. So they will pay you to go to school, which is fantastic because after being in East Lansing, where we pay them for the privilege of going to school, I can tell you it's probably a lot more fun to be paid to go to school than to be writing those checks for learning. So uh, that's all coming up in just a few minutes. And and before we get to the Cadu, I got to tell you about Lollapalooza. This is an event that Derek Kevin and I hosted last year at the Magic Bag. You may remember Derek coming on the show and taking a lot of ribbing for being a weatherman. That's just part of the job. He's, uh, he's, he's at peace with it. Lollapalooza is back in 2023 at the Magic Bag this weekend. It's going to be hosted by Derek Kever again. The uh, 31485, that's some sort of legal joke band name, is going to be the headliners along with the Dirty News, the Common Scolds. Strongman Don Cummings will be there performing 
feats of strength. And I don't know if you're ready for this one, Alex, but our former high school classmate, Cam Ghetto, will be performing an acoustic set. Oh, nice. Do you know Cam yeah, could play? Of course. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a lawyer and a, uh, and a guitar player. So uh, this is going to be helping the Autism Alliance of Michigan. Uh, the, the disease that Derek and I were there to help out with last year was cured, I'm pleased to say. So now we're going to... Thanks uh, to you. Well, I, I don't want to say thanks to me, but no, we're going to find out because now Derek's doing it. But if there's still autism at this time last year, then I cured the disease because, <laughs> because Derek is the common denominator. So get to the magic bag this weekend. It's going to be a lot of good music, a lot of fun. And uh, who knows, Mike Morris might show up again. You can ask him how his mom's doing or what she's doing because normally I think they spend Friday nights together. Uh, making popcorn and um, macrame. I think that's his thing, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, it's, that's that's what I thought I saw in the lawsuit. So uh, so that's what we got. Okay. <laughs> cheap shot. What? It's it's a matter of public record. So um, so John, you've done a lot with the uh, with the Cadu, uh, the Garage Bar, my favorite spot to drink on the East Side. You got the Music Pavilion outside, which is uh, fantastic. The Beer Garden, I know. That's just kind of the beginning of what's going on. Uh, some of us were upset that you knocked down the beautiful uh, Belgian waitress to make the entrance to the beer garden, and we thought, well, there goes, there goes the last piece of real art, an, a little pinup girl on the side of the Cadu Cafe. But now you're making amends with your fancy new entrance. And you, my favorite thing is, this may seem kind of low-tech, but... I love that you left the big letters bar over the door. You don't see that anywhere. It's right. kind of like, where am I going? Oh, you're going to the bar. We just bar. want to make sure people know. Yeah. Know. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's not like they're going there for the pinball. Although you do have pinball, right? No, no. We don't. What? Did you get rid of the pinball? It's, it's too dusty with the, with the feather bowling to have, to have pinball machines. And, of course, feather bowling is one of the leading causes of lung cancer, I understand. Is that, <laughs> I, I, I don't, is that proven? No, not, nothing about that. <laughs> Now, I know that's not true because the former president of the uh, Feather Bowling League, Eric, still talks a lot. And if he had no <laughs> lungs, he, coming on? he couldn't do that. He couldn't do that. No. Yeah, he and Bo are going to do a four-hour set <laughs> next week on, on the show. Another grand champion. But, uh, but you, you collaborated with Alex on this project. And so I know Alex because we went to high school together. How the hell did you come up with? This, well, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I I uh, used to perform with his father with the Detroit Symphony. His dad, legendary Detroit uh, musician. What year would he have joined the DSO? Uh, 62. So I played with his dad in the, the late 90s and uh, maybe early 2000s. He re retired in, what, 01 maybe? Yeah. Around then. And uh, some other gigs outside of the D DSO as well. And then one night I was uh, sitting at a bar talking to this guy next to me and it ended up being that uh it was alex porby and uh he couldn't believe that i <laughs> that i played with his father and uh had shared the stage with him and we you know this is probably about maybe 10 to 12 years ago and we developed a friendship since then and uh um we've had the cadgy now for about five years and alex and i have been sort of going back and forth for that time to f figure out a project to work on together and the sign was the one that 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 uh was the first one we, we've done and uh, he he just killed it he hit hit a home run for it so it goes on at four o'clock every day and turns off at 2 a.m and it's it's a real work of art so alex tell us about this uh what what was it that you were thinking when you put this together T describe it for people first of all well it's uh we 
use the existing logo and it wraps around the corner of the building. And I wanted to incorporate um, some sort of Art Nouveau, Belgian style, um, very European, bohemian feel to it with some of the bracketry and curvature of the metalwork. And uh, I wanted to very much keep it that vibe without making it too fancy, per se, you know. So it still has this fun sort of a bohemian vibe to it with the, with the graphics and so forth. So I did a little research into uh, Victor Horta, who was a, a fantastic uh, architect from the 1920s, Belgian architect. He did the uh, airport and the train station there. It was amazing architecture, a lot of really cool metalwork. So we sort of gathered some inspiration from some of those visuals and incorporated it into the sign to sort of give it that feel. Well, Art, Art Nouveau was really big in, uh, so people think of Art Deco, there's also Art Nouveau. And I, I spent some time in Nancy, France, which is one of the, the real hotbeds of Art Nouveau. And it's, it's so interesting that it's this natural, it's sort of a based in nature form, but it uses very, I guess metal is part of nature, but I mean, you don't think, it's sort of industrial, but natural, which right. is, I don't know how you, how you make those two coexist, but it, it really, it, it sort of reminds me of when I look at it, uh, like the Daily Planet type of thing, you know, where it has the, the dynamic lettering, but it has like an energy about it. It's, right. it's, it's pretty, and maybe that's just because of the curvature, but it's pretty wild. And I'm looking at your, uh, the Instagram page, uh, Insight Design LLC, and you yeah. can see the installment. That thing's huge. Like, how big is that thing? Because obviously on a building, it's going to look a little smaller. How big is it in person? Um, I think it's about 13 feet across. I mean, it's massive. How much, six, did it, how much does it weigh? Surprisingly, not as much as you'd think. It's all aluminum. So it's probably um, maybe about five or 600 pounds. Yeah, and John had to hold it up there yeah. while they bolted it in. He's being... Uh, <laughs> did you find any loose screws <laughs> there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's two of them. Well, yeah. the cool thing I got to say is that, you know, it kind of looks like it's always been there. Um, it, it really right. it really sort of fit into the, to the, the existing structure and, and just the whole vibe of that corner. Um, and, it, you know, it's, it's, it has, has a timeless sort of sort of feel to it. Well, there's there's gold feathers. Uh, what other what are, what other elements are in there other than, of course, the name? Well, the uh, the neon was a nice addition to it. So originally, we were going to do sort of marquee-style light bulbs, exposed light bulbs you see in some yeah. old, old-timey signs. And uh, uh, John's partner, Paul, suggested neon to do in the cafe. So we did a, a channel letter with red neon in it, and it really pops. It really looks beautiful and timeless. It looks like it's from the 30s or 40s, really. And you said 60 years, right, for the neon? It will, it will last. I think so. 60 yeah. And and if uh, if it now which one of us is going to be here to check on that warranty? Yeah. I mean, I'd be 115. If you're going to go to Alex and say, "Hey, dude, uh, well, you gave us 59 good years, but we're going to need you to replace the neon," you're going to have 114 year old Alex Porby up yeah, there blowing that neon in because that's how it's done, right? All by mouth. I don't know it. I wasn't there to see that happen. <laughs> okay, okay, just just as well, just as well. So, so how did you get into this? I mean, your dad was a musician. Um, what did he play in the DSO? He played uh, viola. Viola. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And John, of course, plays the triangle. <laughs> Unless he's touring with Bob Dylan, then he boos um, like all good Catholics. Sinead O'Connor. No, no. Trombone for Bob Seger. But and and I seem to remember you playing an instrument in high school. Am I mistaken? I played guitar. You played guitar. Okay. And 
And how did you get into being more of a, I'm going to say a hands-on artist, somebody who, who creates things with their hands? Well, I was always building stuff as a kid, skateboard ramps, speaker cabinets, you know, drum risers, anything, forts, you know what kids do. Anyway, in the 70s especially. So, but later I went to the College for Creative Studies and studied industrial design. And that's where I really got my hands into like working with metal and doing some welding and so forth. And I really had a, uh, I was inclined to, to go in that direction and, you know, round out my design career with fabricating. And I seemed to work well with uh, architects and developers in, in the vein of like being able to create something from their vision they can go into a job site. So I just pursued that angle and just grew it slowly from there. And looking at a lot of your stuff too, it's, um, you know, restaurants, you know, kind of design. That stuff tends to be invisible to most people, you know? Does that drive you nuts? It's like, wait, I worked really hard on this. There's there's one I was reading some of the comments. I don't know if you ever read the comments on your Instagram page. And one guy just goes, it's stupid. Like just a throwaway comment. But I'm like, it's a railing, yeah. and, a, and I think it's kind of cool, but, but I think people just don't see that stuff as they're walking around. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm okay with that, because sometimes it's the overall ambiance. You know, you walk into a place, and, you know, mostly people are there to look good. And <laughs> But this <laughs> is a really obscure one, like the Rattlesnake Club, the handle on the door. Yeah, yeah, That's a yeah. cool handle, but how many people realize how unique that is? That would yeah. drive me nuts as an artist. Like, no, you pause and look at this handle you're grabbing onto. Yeah, but it's. it's I, I think there's enough people that do realize it, and I'm okay with that. And so. it's not just—it's a subconscious thing, right? You walk in and you feel good, and you're not entirely sure why you do, but you've created something that contributes to that feeling. And yeah. to me, a sign, signs can do that. I mean, art can do that in general. But in in the commercial space, you're talking about a restaurant, bar, whatever. All those things add up to a, a, a reasons you want to go there. Like, you uh, can't articulate them, but it's the, because of your work. The brass railing for prime and proper. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But how many people would notice that? I mean, well, that, that's that's... that was an interesting one because that was a full-on, like a, like a reproduction of a classic piece that was there. So we recreated that completely from scratch to look like the original railing. But I want so, people to notice these things yeah. as they're walking around as opposed to just staring at their phone. I think it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Well, how do I'll you? I bet they do. No, they don't. They might, Sean, they they're, don't. They're just not fucking posting about the it. The only time they, they'll see it is if they're looking at the Instagram because they're on. How their do you phone. know that they don't see, see it people. and and consider? Because I see people second. walk around just staring at their phone. Well, no, they're not always doing that. Yeah, they are. If just, they don't grab my if they don't grab my handrail and they're looking at their phone, they're, they're gonna probably going to fall down. <laughs> exactly. The yeah, that's right. So we don't have to worry it. about those people. They're yeah. the ones with the busted teeth. Uh, how do you get these cool. jobs, and what are some of the what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had? I mean, if somebody says, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I want this place to have a certain I don't know what um, make it happen," right? That, that's a blank slate can be great until it's like, "Oh shit, what do I do?" Yeah, well, that's exciting when I get those opportunities, you know. So generally, I'll take a look at the building if it's an older building. I'll try to you know reference the architecture of the original structure and see if there's some design points in there that we could kind of build from, you know, like a theme. And um, other times it'll, a customer may want something that's very creative in the art piece that's just, you know, take it to the stars and see what happens and dial it back in if it gets too wild or whatever it is and um, try to keep it within code, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what's, the biggest, uh, what's the biggest piece you've ever done? Oh, man, probably the piece over the bar at the apparatus room. Okay. That's about 30 feet long, and it's got 283 
lights, 300 pieces of blown glass. It's pretty wild. Wow. So describe that for us for folks who haven't been in there. Yeah, it's, it's like a, uh, it's a feature piece that mimics the shape of the bar. So it's like a large horseshoe that hangs above the bar. And it has a lot of, uh, of many of these rod sort of tube drops with blown glass on the end of each one and an array of light bulbs. So it's very, it's pretty wild. It, it definitely is a, a room. The apparatus room is built in what used to be Detroit Fire Department headquarters down at, I think, Washington and... Um, Larned. And Larned, yes, thank you. Um, I mean, it's fire trucks, right? I mean, it's all white tile in there, and then it's big fire truck bays. And now it's a very distinctive... It's the kind of place where if you're bringing somebody in from out of town, like, what's new in Detroit? You know, let's go there. I mean, it's not brand new, but it's the kind of thing that I think people expect to see in Manhattan or London or Paris or somewhere, not necessarily in Detroit. Um, when somebody says, do this for me, what, 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 what idea did they give you or what was the starting point for you to create that? Um, well, that piece originated from the design firm Simeon Deary out of Chicago and their client asked them to come up with a theme and the whole ideas and everything. And they, they wanted to do something that, crazy enough, was mimicking streetlights in Detroit and how some of them didn't work. Which <laughs> Most of them. really <laughs> odd. I'm like, you really want to create an art piece? You know, broadcasting that? Okay. So, but we did um, all these lights hanging in a huge array, as I said, in... Um, you know, I don't know if it captures that vibe per se, but that was sort of an inspiration that they had mentioned anyway. So, so they so they didn't say I want this to feel like fire trucks. They had they had some other idea in mind. Then you you go yeah. from there. We did a we did do a cool smoke puff light fixture in there that's uh, completely wrapped in white fabric, and it literally looks like a big puff of smoke. It's like eight feet tall, and it's all illuminated from the inside. And that's right in the front window. So you okay. see that going down Larned. It's right in the front window. And that's supposed to draw on the heritage of the building. Yeah, you know, I'm, you know, it's fire department yeah. headquarters. Yeah, absolutely. That was sort of their inspiration for that piece. Yeah. Well, when you were talking about, so I, I think most people would say we're going to put up a sign. We want to say the name of the bar, and you know, there's feathers. Of course, we have feather bowling, right? Sure. It's one of the distinctive things about the Cajou Cafe. But here you are researching Belgian architects and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean. I think a lot of people figure, okay, you got a piece of metal, you're bending it around, you get it into a shape you like, and then you're done. I mean, uh, how much goes into this process of, of really thinking about something before you actually start to create it physically? Yeah, well, there was, there was a period of time there which uh, made us a little late to get the project done because we were thinking about it so much in the front end. But that was important to, to go through that exercise. And I did a series of mock-ups and some uh, experimental bending of some, you know, sample parts and so forth. And uh, yeah, it, it took a minute to really wrap my head around it because I didn't want to screw this one up at all. And uh, it needed to have a certain vibe and the timeless sort of quality to it that John had mentioned. But does your work involve a lot of research? I mean, is, is there a lot of basically studying before you create a piece of art or you just, you know, start jumping in? And It depends. Um, sometimes uh, this one, definitely a lot of research on this one because there was a lot of code requirements and things that we needed to research just to pull off the project. 
from a nuts and bolts standpoint, you know. Um, but the fun part comes later when we're like creating the brackets. So I was able to just get my hands dirty and get in there and start bending metal and creating forms that would go in and embellish the, uh, the bracketry that holds the sign up. There's, there's small details, but they're, that's where all the icing is on the cake for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think of artists and people who might work with clay or with paint or drawing. You know, you kind of don't like what you got. You just pound it down and start over again. When you start build, bending metal, you know, if, if, if you think of, you know, did, was the Venus de Milo, was it great? And the guy's like, I don't like the arms. I'll start over. And somebody said, no, no, I'm not buying any more marble. That, she's good like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you get into something where, yeah, you know, I've always been told that once you bend metal, it never is quite the same again, where you say, oh, this isn't what I like. Uh, I better start over. I mean, because it feels like your work is very physical and involves a lot of material that is not easy to manipulate. Yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes you throw it in the scrap bin and start over, you know? That's got to be hard. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, this doesn't work, you know? Yeah, sometimes that happens, um, you know, but I've been doing it quite a while, so these days I'm a little more experienced. I can nail a, a, nail a concept from the beginning a little quicker than I used to be able to, you know, just having done it so many times. But, yeah, sometimes you have to... Uh, do some experimentation and, and try some samples and see what works and adjust from there if you don't like the, the, the results, you know. Do you only do, like, uh, industrial, well, I mean, it's all industrial, I guess, but only commercial stuff, or do you do little things and do shows and whatnot? Um, I haven't done any shows in a while. So you um, don't go to the Ann Arbor Art Fair no, and set up, set up camp? No. I had I did some of that. Sweat for a while. your ass off. I like your bowl of keys. I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see someone. It's a bunch of old keys made into a bowl. Yeah. That was cool. I couldn't do that. Yeah, I sold four or five of those. See, you know. But I was doing I was doing stuff. Randolph Street Market in uh, Chicago. I did a few art fairs here and there. But that's a that's a tough racket, man. Yeah, the big yeah. monies and uh, I would think well, I mean, bigger projects. Know, like, for I always I always gravitated towards working on projects with. You know, developers and architects, stuff like that. Anyway. Have you ever done like a personal sculpture for someone's home? I have. Yeah, I don't know if that's on the Instagram page. I don't think it is, but we uh, we've done a few. Yeah, I say we. It's me and my assistants. But I've done one um, in Birmingham. It was a about a twelve or fifteen foot tall, really aluminum sculpture in in a yard. Yeah, that wasn't the big obscene sculpture in Gross Point that the topless was, prophet had, was it? I was, was thinking of that one, too. <laughs> it wasn't yours, was it? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> it oh, yeah. Now, Although I do like your Jesus saves. Wasn't that like your, a giant middle finger? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was supposed to be pointing at either his ex-wife or his neighbors. <laughs> the, uh, the guy who owns the uh, landing strip. I can't remember his name. Alan Markowitz. Alan Markowitz, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Quite that's, a character. That was the name on the receipt when John bought the sculpture. <laughs> so... When you're in the uh, in the garage bar, asked to see the sculpture garden out back. It's he comes. I I do a show once or twice a year at the Andiamo um, Celebrity Showroom, and he always has a table in front for this this uh, Sinatra tribute that we do, and um, he always comes in about ten or fifteen minutes late with with an entourage of of women, and they take the front table. But they're all they're all just there on their own time, right? I mean, they just uh, like to hang out with them. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Wow. Cool shit. I got him. Alex is working on a, on a tap cool. handle for us now too. Oh, really? For our, our Feather Bowlers Ale. Um, yeah, and uh, that's, that's a work in progress right now. Yeah. So, Alex, 
how did you get into this and, and what, what advice do you have for somebody who says, you know what, that sounds like a really cool gig. Uh, how do I even get started? Like my daughter wants to be a tattoo artist. I think she'll apprentice for a tattoo artist and that's right. the way it'll work. Maybe we'll see, but you know, the, the path you're taking, I don't remember there being a lot of, I, I know Mr. Gray didn't mention this to me during our career counseling session. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was like, uh, Necessity is the mother of invention, right? I basically, I had some opportunities to do some pr projects and some work, and I just, I had to start from scratch. I didn't have any mentors really. Um, you know, I did it at CCS, you know, instructors and so forth. But as far as getting into the metal fabrication business, no, I kind of learned that all on my own and talking to the old timers at the uh, Smith Welding Supply down there in uh, Detroit when they were there and on Selden. And uh, picking up advice here and there where I could, you know, and then learning. Just, again, make something, doesn't work out, throw it in the scrap bin, learn from it, go to the next thing. So, but so. you've got a shop now, you got people who work for you. I mean, there must have been some points where you're like, shit, man, how do I pay the rent? I'm, I'm bending this metal, nobody's buying it, you know. Uh, <laughs> Rutherford doesn't even have a bar, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, how do you? It's part of the racket. And sometimes you, you're still worried about paying the rent, but you know, it always, things always pan out and, um, it's just, uh, it's been word of mouth and I've got a great set of clients and people that call me back on projects and we're, uh, I've got an opportunity right now. We're going to, uh, go out to Seattle and design and engineer a, a massive 30 foot long spiral stair that goes down to the beach behind someone's house. Damn. And I'm wow. going to be, I'm going to be essentially engineering it. I can't really fabricate it here and ship it there it's not quite feasible but we're going to hire a, a fabricator in seattle to actually do the work and i'll oversee it so is that for uh, jeff bezos or uh, <laughs> it's for no. a <laughs> b gates that's all he can say yeah, yeah. b period Gates. well to that point how long would it take to make a very bright uh flashing annoying x that i could put on top of a giant building because oh. <laughs> elon put that giant x yeah. up it flashed the neighbors got pissed off he just took it down that was it eh and and i'm sitting there thinking i'm like well you didn't have that made over the weekend i mean that you've been planning to make that thing like how long would it take to make that giant flashing x i don't know i mean is uh, that like a month or is that like three months or someone probably could have done it in a month but they've probably been thinking about it a lot longer than that. With his money, he could probably get it done, what, a week? <laughs> you probably find the right people to get it done immediately. Yeah. Damn, too bad he didn't follow the codes as closely as the folks at the Kaju Cafe. It'd still be up there if they had followed the law. Yeah. But that's Elon. <laughs> that's Elon for you. He does what he wants to do. Did you like the design of that X? You know what? I've avoided seeing it. Oh, really? Yeah, so feel free to show so me. So it looks picture. like an X, <laughs> yeah. but it's got two lines. I mean, it's the toy. Well, here it probably on my phone but yeah. then the picture flashes or the the sign flashes yeah unusually it, bright it's so. not like you'll see the letter and say i'll never think of that end of the alphabet the same way again i mean right. it's a big blue x right i mean it's it's white a white x black background oh it's white yeah. x. Okay. Mm -hmm. right then i guess that's something about elon there so alex where's a where's a new project near us where people can come and see your work uh well we're doing a some railings and uh, some other architectural metalwork at um, Hamlin Pub in St. Clair, Michigan. Uh, that'll be coming up in about uh, six to eight weeks, I believe. Um, of course, you can see the apparatus room. You can see the Tesla tower we fabricated for Jack White. On top oh, yeah, of Third, Third Man, Man Records. Records there. Yep. So that, that's on, a uh... popular spot. That's got some neon in it, too. That, that turned out pretty sweet. 
that was a fun one. Um, Who did you work with there? Did did uh, did you consult with with Ben Blackwell or Jack White, or were there other people who uh, said Jack wants a tower? Well, you know what it is. It's a representative of the the logo, the Third Man logo. So I engineered it from that basically, and he had done something down his his Nashville store that was more of a two dimensional sign, but. I said, let's take this thing 3D all the way and actually build a globe, mm -hmm. you know, and have channel lightning bolts with neon in it and go with the full, full nine yards with it. And they agreed. And uh, his manager there at the store, Ro Peter Hans, is a old friend of mine. His father is an architect and designer as well, client of mine. Okay. So we were kind of already in the groove with, with that, those guys in the fold. So, and Jack was very gracious about, you know, accepting all the crazy ideas and he loved it in the end it turned out great and and the, so, tes the tesla tower is a real tower i mean it's the one he used right nikolai yeah. tesla yeah yeah it's a, that's an amazing story too but yeah but yeah so it's representative of that and we fabricated it all out of aluminum and uh it's still standing <laughs> so so jack white himself was involved in this process i mean how, how often do you deal with with big shots who say uh, I want you to do, uh, and they give you some amorphous idea, and then you've got to realize, yeah. and like, no, that's not it. Do it again. No, you're not. I mean, how much time do you spend with somebody saying, nope, that's not it? We just like, dude, this is exactly what you told me. You keep changing <laughs> what you want. I'm getting sick of it. Sometimes it happens, but, you know, I think I'm, I'm trusted at this point in my career that people allow me to do my thing, you know. Sometimes uh, it's, it's all about the communication, too, you know, making sure that, Everyone sees the drawings in advance or some samples or some mock-ups so they know what they're going to be getting. Because, you know, it's a leap of faith. You're going to open your wallet and pay a bunch of money for something that's a crazy big idea. You better know what you're going to get in the end. Yeah. Right? Well, I know John's very happy with the sign, but have you ever had something where you you pull the, the, the tarp off it and they're like, what in holy hell no. did I just pay for? Okay. <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> so if I went to Wayne County Circuit Court, I won't see so and so yeah. v. Porby, and it's no. just like no. Okay. I'm still waiting for something to fall and hurt somebody. Oh God! That doesn't happen. <laughs> oh shit! No. Okay. No, well, <laughs> for what it's worth, all the bolts on the CAD you sign are new. So yeah. if you go in the front entrance, you're okay. If you don't feel safe going in the front entrance, you can come through the parking lot into the into the beer garden, which will take you to the garage bar and. John, you said there's something going on at the garage bar later this year. Uh, yeah, every weekend. But beer, uh, we have our Labor Day Festival, um, Muscle Beach Music Festival, Thursday through, what's that, the third, I think August 31st through Monday, is it the 4th, September 3rd? Or of 4th? August? Of September. Okay. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yeah. Labor Day weekend. And, um, you know, they, they've been doing that for, you know, a couple decades there, and, and we've continued that tradition and feature a lot of... Uh, Original Detroit music, um, songwriters, bands, and uh, this year some of the highlights include we're bringing uh, the Brothers Groove. We'll be returning to the stage. They haven't really performed much over the last, uh, geez, probably over the last 10 years. It's not too much, but they used to be a, a staple around Detroit. Um, with my group, the Moore City Horns, we used to uh, perform with them and um, oftentimes back up uh, a well-known blues artist named Johnny Bassett. Who sadly passed away a few years ago, but we did a couple of recordings on um, some some artwork of Alex's fell on him. I think is that <laughs> what I heard? <laughs> That's unsubstantiated. <laughs> just a rumor. Yeah, yeah. just a rumor. Um, but uh, so so the Brothers Groove coming back uh, a reunion show. Uh, we have uh, 
a friend of mine named Sonny Ledford coming in from South Carolina. Um, he'll, he'll be bringing his whole crew. Uh, we have, uh, I believe the Corktown Popes will be performing. Um, we have... That's a Sinead O'Connor tribute. Thing, right? <laughs> no tributes this weekend. Oh, okay. Um, we have Tony Muggs bringing him in his project, project called Dude. Um, Excellent. Who else do we have? We have Phil Prophet and his Fast Fortunes. Is Alex going to play guitar? Do you bust out hey, the you know, still? Maybe we should, uh, yeah. Alex. Wait, I might need to dust that thing off. Yeah. You know. How much dust is on it? A lot. Really? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've All been right. a little busy building John's sign. You, you <laughs> might want to come out for Mondays for the open uh, open mic session. Yeah, just, yeah, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Just get those chops <laughs> back up. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to having people out and, uh, you know, listening to some good music. Okay. Drink, and drink and you're going to be on TV, too. We are. Yeah, we are. Um, we filmed... Cops, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. That's good. Bad boys. <laughs> no, Not that's yet. different. Different bar. <laughs> that's down the street. Um, we filmed in, I believe it was the end of March, or it was either the end of March or early April. But a a, a new show on A and E with um, Buddy Velo Chef Buddy Velastro of Cake Boss fame, and uh, this is a new show um, called Legends of the Fork, and it will be on A and E. And it, we don't have an air date yet, but sometime probably this fall or, or early winter. And essentially, it's probably a, a some, somewhat Bourdain-esque in, in terms of going to, you know, iconic spots in, in cities across the U.S., chatting with the owners a bit, um, working in the kitchen, chatting with customers, and just just highlighting, you know, some of these um Long-standing, iconic uh, bars and restaurants throughout the country. Did, did you have to call him chef? Did he I, insist I, upon I, it? He didn't insist upon it, but I, I think I did. I think I okay. called him chef, chef buddy. What, what was he like? Was he kind of petulant, or was he? No, he was. He was nice. He, he, yeah. What do you want him to say? Nice well, I, I don't know. I mean, these guys. <laughs> nice the, they, nice they, Italian guy. They wear the white coats that says chef on it. I mean, it's like they're doctors or something. He's not one of those kind of guys. Okay. No, no. I mean, well, that that who's the English asshole that I watch Gordon all the time? Ramsey Gordon rules. Ramsey. Yes, he's a guy. prick. No, every show, he basically takes in. He takes in Is desperate, your TV a insecure people, <laughs> and he bullies them. He yells at them. He's abusive to them because they made some shitty oysters Rockefeller it's or something. It's uncomfortable, isn't it, well, He wanted to make shitty, you know, if you like shitty food. He's that's it's not nice what you're watching, is it there, Mike? He just wants I don't the best. Like, I do not like Gordon Ramsay. Oh, he's the best. He's great. Oh, why, why doesn't he just take a magnifying glass and train it on some ants? That would be just as sporting. But So chef, your chef was not like that. No, he was chef not. Chef Buddy he, was nice. Chef Buddy was nice. He's, uh, it, was, it was a... Nice uh, late afternoon, early evening filming. We had the place full of friends and family, and uh, he cooked for the segment. I believe they did. I believe they did rabbit and uh, mussels. Okay, so if, if Gordon Ramsay wanted to film a show and came in and started crapping all over, you'd take him right out the door, right? You'd oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first off, him you say, check Ramsey. out the sign on your way out, bitch, and right, then right. away he goes. Most of the stuff he does is he takes over bad restaurants and fixes them. No, no, he has cooking shows where oh, people come on and they want to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's called just, entertainment. It's, I don't know. I don't think. I think. I don't think beating a bunch of nobodies up is entertaining. They know what they're signing up for. It's like it's like bum fights. Who wants to see a bunch of bums whipping the shit That's out of different. each other? And I don't know if they know what they're signing up for. I think everybody knows what they're signing up for, huh? cooking competition show 
wait, you put one bottle of Ripple in the middle of a backyard and say whoever wins gets the bottle and they don't know what they're fighting for? <laughs> I mean, no. I might I might elbow somebody for a shot of Mad Dog, but I don't know. That I mean, a lot of them tend to have mental illness. I don't think the contestants on Gordon Ramsay shows do. Oh, you don't think so? Uh, how many how many kitchen no, help have you had, John? Where you're like, I think are you somebody talking about the competition show? Why am I defending Gordon Ramsay so vehemently? Yeah, you, I don't know. What I want to know is Mike is Mike going to model? Is he a model for the Muscle Beach part of this? Fe- oh, these God, festivities no. coming up. You know, we still have, to make, we still have to make the poster. We're hopefully getting that done this week. If you have some time, we can. Yeah, uh, I think that'd I mean, be nice. Maybe uh, Alex, you could do a sketch. You know, you yeah, could work sure. some neon into it. I think that brings yeah. all of our talents together. High school reunion, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I've actually gone to a few of our high school reunions, and I've been surprised at how much fun I had. Given that the four years of high school, I thought uh, maybe being a, a bamboo cage with De Niro in a Deer Hunter would have been more fun. But um, I, still recovering from high school, but the reunions haven't been bad. I, I've been surprised. So, and it's always good to see Alex. Once every 35 years we do this. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for making it happen at tremendous expense, John. You've gussied up the, the east side, but it's all been for a good cause. Let's keep the momentum going. That's sure. it, yes. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get together twice more before the warranty on the sign expires, <laughs> just to make sure everything's okay. Yeah. So I think, I think we can put that in the book. Well, Alex, tell people where they can see more of your work, both online and Hamlin Pub coming up, the Apparatus Room. Uh, sounds like the Rattlesnake Club club which yeah, is that's an older project yeah. but that was a nice one yeah that must have been pretty early in your career uh yeah did you get paid on that one i know jimmy had some problems <laughs> paying people he tried to pay me with wine pretty <laughs> wow okay <laughs> no we, we got paid <laughs> okay good good uh and and website where, where can people go or instagram uh, where, where do yeah you... instagram is uh insight design llc and the website is in uh insight design llc.com Okay, pretty straightforward. Is your studio open? Do you do tours or anything like that? Are you guys working? <laughs> We're too busy working. Okay. He, he gave if, one to my know, dad. Yeah. 94 right, years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Chuck's like, well, if it's going to be here for 60 years, I want to make sure I know what the hell these guys are doing here. So, okay. Well, you can find out more about what's going on at the Cadu Cafe at cadjucafe.com. John Rutherford will be there keeping an eye on things. And uh, Alex does not only have the sign, he'll have a tap handle out there and maybe... <laughs> Maybe uh, a guitar in his hand. I don't know. That's a work in progress. We'll, we'll see about that. Well, Alex and John, thanks for coming in. We uh, appreciate your, uh, your contributions to the culture of our neighborhood, particularly since John's bar is my favorite stumbling bar. That's within walking distance of my house, which makes it a prime, prime local for me, which is great. So, And now I won't sneak in through the parking lot anymore. I'll come in right through the main entrance, which... Doesn't always happen with the Irish. They often tell us to come in through the back. What? Through the kitchen. You don't know about that with the Irish? No, he's talking about the phrasing of it. Oh. Wow. Okay. Sorry. On that note. uh, We got Carmen watching on YouTube, and you're going to talk like that? I mean, let's be a gentleman. eh, She's heard it before. We've seen her before. She knows, she knows what this is all about. Carmen knows what she's in for. It's like getting on one of those cooking shows with Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I need to tell you guys about Luke Nowacki. Luke Nowacki, he is a finance guy. If you don't know how to invest, give Luke a call, 248-663-4748. Luke will kind of see, like, oh, well, what are your goals? How old are you? When are you going to hit them? Do you want to be in bonds, equities? It's a whole big old equation. But Luke will look at all your finances and get you on target to meet those goals. 248 248- 
663-4748. Free consultation from Luke Nowacki. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Bonaic Wealth. Sync member FINRASIPC Bonaic Wealth. Sync is separately owned, and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent Bonaic Wealth. Also, oh, oh, also like to tell you about the bricklayers and allied craft workers of Local 2 Michigan. They're looking for hardworking men and women all throughout the whole state of Michigan, whether you have experience in any of the trowel trades, or if you have zero experience, there's an option for you. If you have no prior experience, there's free training opportunities with job placement that start just over $26 an hour. Um, to do plus benefits and earn why you can learn as a registered apprentice, experienced tradesmen and women in building new or restoring old masonry, installing tile, marble, terrazzo, caulking, or finishing concrete. You can make anywhere between that $26.16 all the way up to just slightly over $37 plus benefits like Blue Cross Blue Shield health insurance, two pensions, there's an annuity, uh, year-round free training workshops, certifications, referral and sign- signing bonuses for $2,000 for journeyman, $1,000 for experienced apprentice. So much you can do. It's a tough job, but a rewarding job and really good benefits. Visit bricklayers.org to learn more about what Local 2 has to offer to take the next step in building your future today. Yeah, give those folks a call because that's a that's a good gig. There's a lot of work around right now, and you can make a lot of dough and set yourself up for the future. Um, artists are well, they come in all shapes and sizes. And Alex uh, gave us a little look at what it's like to build a career and leave your mark on the area. We'd like to help you be very artistic. Why is Sean wandering around oh, the basement down I here? I guess he's leaving. Are you leaving? No, he's... Oh. Okay, sorry. What are you doing? What are you doing? He's, uh, I think he was stretching for a little bit. Well, he's usually... Are you that bored? I was stretching. All right. I was stretching. He's uh, he's running a little late from his Bikram yoga session. That's the hot yoga. So uh, No, no, no. I don't want to shake hands, you know. Oh, okay. Just, uh, just oh, okay. the, the conviviality. Yeah. Sean's like, finally some culture on the show. Keep we- the vibe going. No, no, no. That, no, he was cool. Man, his work's amazing. And in the Shit. meantime, you knock the camera, so now you're totally cut off the top of your head. Which yeah. Is good. I, it's a good I, look. I hope people will... I haven't will, got no hair up there anyway. <laughs> I hope people will go by the Kaju and will check out Alex's work because it's kind of challenging to have an artist on the show when you're talking about their work and, and we're mainly in a uh, oral um, experience where you hear us rather than see us. But this stuff is That's really... you, by the way, right? Yes, it is. Okay. It's, by the way, Joe, can, can oh, we just bring oh. it down here, please? And, what, the light off your head? No, the camera. So oh. you can basically see my glasses and nothing on... Yeah, if you're, if you're watching us on you YouTube... Oh, breath, there we go. You want to see your breasts there we go. instead? <laughs> No, no, no. I just, yeah. What is Fishco? Nobody wants to see the cone head. What is Fishco, your shirt? What's that about? That's a... uh a shirt and all it says Some friends of mine brought me a... uh, It's a little place to... Oh, Paola? A little place to eat, and I guess somewhere in Hawaii, and they brought me a t-shirt back. Oh, they have fish in Hawaii? So, we have t-shirts, too. I guess that's what I was trying to get to, is if you want to express yourself in in a visual manner... Check out our new merchandise. We have relaunched our line of apparel. Oh, good. I've got requests for hoodies, by the way. Okay. Yeah. We, we've got hoodies. We have men's hoodies. We have women's hoodies. We have zip-up hoodies. We have <gasps> zip-up T-shirts. Hoodies. We have trucker's caps. We have polo shirts. That's a new offering. A child. And we have uh, and some pretty cool stickers. Those are your, those are your, your lower end. Would you items. put a sticker on the back of your Riviera? Oh sure, sure, yeah, sure. Do it. You would, particularly on the bumper where I need to get it re-chrome. That, that wouldn't would be. be a great that wouldn't spot. be. You know, sacrilege. 
No, I think bu- bumper stickers taint. have been around it since. It wouldn't taint the taint mobile. The taint, I don't know, that doesn't sound very appealing, but uh, it is very smooth, I guess, <laughs> oh, and sensitive to the road. But um, other than that, I don't know if that's going to, but yeah, I mean. Look, look at him, he's a pair of Neomobiles. <laughs> yeah, bumper stickers <laughs> oh, has been around God. since the Model T when Henry Ford said, you know, keep us out of World War One, And then I think he said something about keep the Jews out of Dearborn, you know, so they, bumper stickers have been around for a while. And if you don't know the Henry Ford story, check out the work of Bill McGraw, who I wrote, uh, has I, documented that. I uh, mentioned him in a column the other day that had, <laughs> that had to do with the uh, the lines. You know, the, Tom Mazaway with us. Did, I love it. Did you know this site? His original garage is on the corner of Cass and Bagley, which eventually turned into the Michigan Theater, which was the grandest theater in the mm-hmm. state. Which then lot. was which then was sort of uh, taken over by a parking garage. There's yeah. a three story, but there's still the ceiling in there. And I hung out with a bunch of tailgaters. Uh, they demolished it eleven or twelve years ago. They used to tailgate in there. Inside, they would smoke brisket and and uh, in any case and other things. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. On the eve of the most anticipated lion season, well, how long, Mark? Oh boy, well, we're about a month, right? It's August. No, no, uh, yeah, month, yeah. Uh, six, six, five weeks. For, the, from the, the, we're five weeks away from the most anticipated lion seasons. And how long? Oh boy! And how long? Thirty years at least. Thirty plus years, maybe at my least. whole lifetime. And so I was thinking about, uh, you know, I keep getting texts and emails about all of this, mm-hmm. and I was thought about that story I wrote fifteen years ago in that in that crazy ass setting with the deck and the in the theater on the site where Henry Ford invented his car. And um, whose grand- granddaughter now owns the team, which is kind of, you know, in any case. It was wild. Yeah, they were fathers and sons. So I kind of went back and worked some of that into a column. And that's a long story for nothing. At Freep.com. At Freep.com. There's your plug. Yeah. Where do I get merch at? Uh, well, quick story about that theater. But they, they've torn down that theater. Yes. They, they, they pulled it out in the last year. They demolished it for I don't know what. But that was also where the Detroit Newspaper Guild had its offices. And the Detroit Newspaper Guild moved its offices in there right after Eminem's best buddy. Uh, God, I'm, I'm Yeah, that was proof. shot in there. Proof was yeah. killed in a social club. But Proof had those offices just before the Newspaper Guild. And when the Newspaper Guild president... Moved in, he's like, yeah, I don't know, some guy had this place, there's like liquor bottles all over, and I said, well, what'd you do with all, Where, you know, that's Proof's office, that, there may be some cool shit, there may be some artifacts in there, maybe some tapes and a drawer, I threw it all out, it was all garbage, oh, I was wow. like, oh, okay, whatever, Pally. And that was, that, that site though, right, that, that deck, <laughs> a parking structure inside a theater like that was just, that was just crazy, so Detroit, yeah. yeah. So they tore it down, what's there now? Well, the facade of the building is there, but they tore out the theater. Oh, okay. So I think they're I think they're probably going to build a proper parking yeah. deck on there or expand the building. Of course, out, just but, so yeah. we need more parking. Oh yeah, no, that's great. That's thanks, it'll just but yep. but if you wherever you park, why don't you look good? That's okay. is that are we back on track? Sure. Sean, anything else? Okay. No, we'll we'll get off track. So if you go to our website, ML Soul of Detroit. Dot com, you can find our merchandise. This is a pre-order situation, so let me explain what that means. We will only make what you buy, and it will take a while to get to you. If you buy something today, which we hope you will, it may take five weeks to get to you because this sale will be on until August 16th, which means between now and August 16th, you can order all the merchandise your heart desires, and it will be shipped to you 
within about two weeks of the end of the sale, which is August 16th. So order now, get your orders in, be patient. You will be very happy when it gets there, but uh, plan ahead because this is a limited time offer. Go to mlsoulofdetroit.com. You'll find a link. And from that link, you can purchase some high quality gear. In fact, some of the highest quality stuff that we've ever made. Really? That's true. Yeah, this is, this is a little upgrade over the Gildan. That's nice. Yeah. You have a little extra curly cue going on today. Is that, is that by design? Change your hair products? Um, it's Are you driving a convertible now that we haven't told us about? Another addition to the classic car, Elric car collection? I will tell you that the, uh, the uh, recently anointed taint mobile uh, has an AC issue, so the windows uh, do roll down. But there's no diamond in the back. Anything else? Digging the scene. The gangster. <laughs> With the gangster lead. I think it's time for Geek of the Week. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. I just wanted to see where Sean was going. What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? So this week's geek is sort of unspecified. And I understand that that's, that's a little... A little unspecific. In fact, it's the very definition of unspecific. But there's a documentary series out, a podcast series out, about the trials and tribulations of the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Hmm. Now, I thought Jar Jar was probably as low as it goes with Star Wars. Oh, was, everybody hated him. Well, and that's... And he's pointless. That's the thing. Everybody hated him. And this poor actor was a young guy, thought he was getting the break of his lifetime, grew up a Star Wars fan, thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, my God, I can't. And they said, okay, first, originally Jar Jar just going to be like a visual character. So he did some CGI, and apparently he's one of the first CGI performers. And when you do CGI coding, some of the original coding goes back to what they did for him. So he... You know, and sort of a weird DNA CGI thing is is it wasn't how Jar Jar looked forever, but he convinced him like, well, let's turn it into a speaking role. I think I think Jar Jar has something to say, uh, and he was wrong. But he said a his lot. name was Jar Jar. Everybody hated him. An awful, awful, awful character. But this person, this actor was hunted down, people would find his phone number and leave death threats on his oh phone number. God. People would seek him out and heap piles of abuse on him to the point where he was on the Brooklyn Bridge and contemplated jumping. In fact, he said that he was standing on the edge and was a heartbeat away from throwing his life into those unforgiving waters when he kind of felt his balance off a little bit and tried to grab himself. And he realized, wait a minute, if I'm worried about falling, then maybe I don't want to die. And he's been able to pull his life back together and he's made it back into Star Wars movies and speaking roles. And he and he and George Lucas remain good friends and all that other stuff. But I did not like Jar Jar Binks. No at one all. did. But I would have never threatened the life of someone who portrayed Jar Jar Binks, and even if you knew that this person was responsible for expanding Jar Jar's role and all that other stuff, it's still no reason 
Well, he killed Star Wars. I mean, no, it's nobody. Mis- nobody sees Star Wars. Oh wait, no, they made a bunch more. Yeah, and series. It's and misdirected, right? I mean, whose fault? Of course, it's, it's George Lucas's fault. We, it's clearly the movies were terrible. All three of those movies were awful. Oh, and the fact say the that third that, one uh, is okay. I'm sorry, but they were the pacing. They're they're just they're childish. They're, they're terrible. They are childish. And his and his acceptance, and he's probably the one that came up with the the name Jar Jar. He should be blamed. No, well, he did create the character, yeah. But right? I mean, that he vo- created that, the character. That voice that the actor used was so stupid. And too. George Lucas okayed that. Hey, look, George Lucas, great, great, great. You know, Empire Strikes Back, fine. Yeah, That's but he awesome. should have had the wherewithal to go. No, but you know, like a lot of us do, we don't adapt sometimes. As we, you know what I mean? The culture kind of leaves it behind. And those three movies. That's why he uh, left the the what was the the what's the reboot? What's the first one of the the third of the reboot that came out five six years ago, seven years ago? Oh, the name of it? Uh, the Force. Know. Know. The, 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 the Force Awakens. awakens. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. He was going to be part of that, and they were going in a different direction. And he thought, no, this isn't going to work. And that ended up being an enormous movie. So that just kind of tells you, yeah, Jar Jar Binks, it's his fault. Well, uh, so <laughs> it's not you, Jar Jar. I'm not a fan of Jar Jar, and I think this guy should bear some responsibility for uh, for his interpretation of the role. But if you ever threatened the life of Jar Jar Binks or thought about it, you're our Geek of the Week. It's not part of the Red Shovel Network, but I should let you know the redemption of Jar Jar Binks is widely available wherever you get your podcasts. So if you need more Jar Jar, it's out there. No one does, but. No, that's true. So I want to touch back on something we discussed last week in Room 7609. There was, of course, we got caught up on the primitives at the beginning of the show, talking a little bit about Sick of It, which I'm sure we've played on this show. We'd have to go back and look, but uh, great tune by the primitives. By the way, not much else in their catalog. I remember buying that back in the uh, in the early '90s, and then saying, "Are okay, we playing them who this wants week?" To trade me? No. <laughs> oh, okay. but but Sean mentioned Bananarama, and I was like, I <gasps> think I think one of the singers of Bananarama married somebody, and I couldn't think of who it was. Guess who Karen Woodward of the of Bananarama married? Bob Woodward. No. Oh. Andrew Ridgely of oh, Wham. Really? Yes, they oh, wow. were married. For about 10 years, they're no longer married. And one of the other singers, uh, Siobhan, married Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics. Oh, um, have you seen the Wham! documentary on Netflix? No, but I, I've read interviews with Andrew Ridgely about how he's at peace and he never wanted to be a big star. He's just a buddy of... But he's he's kind of the main the main uh, narrator in that, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really his project. I, I thought it was a little bit of a um, reclamation project for Andrew Ridgely because everybody thinks George Michael was wham and george michael was wham but uh it was very important to point out that ridgely was really the creator and the starter and had the first couple hits before michael took over it's it's just fun watching how big that band got and how quick they got oh yeah ridgely was the original 
musician and George Michael was really quiet. And then um, I forget which song it was. It might've been careless whisper that he's like, he, he's produced it and wrote it. It was very meticulous. It got released here just under, I believe the wham and George Michael name, but in England, I, I don't know. It's a, I thought it was a really fun documentary. Um, and you feel bad for George Michael. Cause here he is this closeted guy that was supposed to be the sex symbol for, for women. Like every woman wanted George Michael and here he just had no interest in them. I don't know. I thought it was a good doc. Meanwhile, dorks like me wanted every woman and none of them had any interest in it. I should have. Well, you should have been George Michael. I just couldn't get my hair. You could have been your father that. figure. Yeah. Oh. Well, that was a good uh, Room 7609. Yeah. <laughs> Had some substance. Well, it wasn't nice. careless whispers. It was thoughtful declarations that made mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor a bit of an outcast. But if you go back to albums from the 1980s, it's tough to find something better than The Lion and the Cobra. And even though they tried to roll her out with Troy, which is a very, very strange song to introduce as a single, and they got it right with the second single, Mandinka, I think the best cut on the album is the one you're hearing right now, and that is Jerusalem by Sinead O'Connor, The Lion and the Cobra, 1987.
So that was Sinead O'Connor. Another Irish star appears on that album, Enya sings the beginning of one of the tracks she sings in gaelic so again hmm. some pretty weird cuts on yeah. there i'm glad they didn't try and make the gaelic song the first single but uh but troy was the first single off that album which is a very bizarre choice it's kind of a drawn out operatic saga that i don't know what anr man said okay we have an unknown artist and we're going to play this sort of difficult to wrap your ears around song and she's going to be a big hit uh, didn't work. Mandinka was a little better. Jerusalem, I thought, was great. Uh, Lay Your Hands on Me with MC Light, fantastic. I yeah, Mandinka, just stop there. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but that's rock song. It's kind of a rock song, and you, it's not really your thing. So I understand why you say that. You know, you are the Gordon Ramsay of Room 7609. Good. No, yeah, it's pushing just pushing you to be better. No, and I'm trying to, yeah. What's the next segment? I you made my souffle collapse. I'm sorry, man. By the, the way, segment should be the, uh, the incorrect correctment. We were uh, talking about this segment. off the air, but um, we're talking about the different artists who sang "Nothing Compares to You." Right? Yeah, Prince wrote it. Obviously, Sinead's biggest hit. Aretha covered a kind of a odd, different version, and then Chris Cornell, which I think is the best version. But I, I like his voice. And I mean, the reason you mentioned that is like sort of tragically, all four of those artists mm-hmm. are gone, and. Um, and then you kind of got into an argument with our with our main host over here about how he died, but the fact that he died in Detroit. And it turns out you were right, Mark. Yeah, he hung himself. I don't think it was an argument. I think there was a... You said he overdosed. Oh, we weren't arguing. And I said, I think he... I well, thought not he a heated argument or anything, but just, a, you know... Same. It was an incorrect correction. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> now, didn't... I just didn't, wanted to point out that I was I right. Thought, I thought there was something in the <laughs> Thank autopsy you, where Thank they you, Sean, said for backing me. he was on some sort of medication and may have taken too much of it that may have uh, affected his mood well he was on lorazepam but i don't know if that's going to make you i mean obviously that's always one of the side effects of a antidepressant is suicide but being uh, on this show hasn't caused me to take my life there's nothing on god's green earth that would oh thank you he had caffeine very nice of you from no dose yeah, I, I thought that I thought there was zone, but they they say that now that we're kind of you. Yeah. Okay, well I thought the family felt that some medication or they something did. may have affected yeah. him. And Do we know what happened with Sinead? It was Ativan. Okay. No, we don't, which is really weird, isn't it? No, we don't know. Usually, what that means when there's no cause at all is right. Well, there's a toxicology report they're waiting on or something, or what? No, it isn't usually suicide when there's no mention at all. I would think suicide they could mention right away. Oh, it it's, yeah. Well, news reports come out all the time with a death, and when there's no cause, not even old age or whatever, it's often suicide. Oh, it could be an accident. And then it comes out. And then it comes out later, right? Yeah. There was a a guy named Jeffrey Montgomery who ran the Triangle Foundation, and there's a documentary about him. He was very early um, and a very compelling advocate for uh for gays and lesbians and he would call me every once in a while when i would write a police story about a man who was found dead in a building and he was like was there any sign of suicide and i'd say what he said well because and this was in the late 90s early 2000s said often when there's a single older man who's found dead it can be a suicide because it's someone dealing with with uh, sexual identity or whatever. And I thought, oh my God, that is so sad. And, um, and yeah, I, it's one of those things people don't really 
talk about very much. But I do think there's a lot of speculation that she may have taken her own life because her son, I think it's his, her oldest son. He did, uh, yeah. Took his life last yeah. year. Um, and uh, the but weird, I don't know. The weird thing is not only do they not know what the cause of death is, they don't know the exact day she died, which is really sad that no one was checking up on her regularly. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't want to, yeah. I guess you're right. It's speculation, but who knows? I mean, who yeah, knows? we love speculation. I mean, but who knows? Everybody loves yeah. to speculate. Well, we do in the podcast, and we don't newspapers so much. So that's the sure. Mm-hmm. That's the yin and yang that Mike and I feel in here, right, Mike? Mostly yang, but um, <laughs> but no. That if if you are feeling sad or depressed, reach out for help. Talk to somebody. Jeffrey Montgomery's concern was that there were a lot of people who went to the end of their days without feeling they could talk to anybody, and that's why. Their lives ended in that way. And Very it, important. That stigma's done, man. Yeah, yeah. and it's Very important. We're way past that, and and so um, so you know, to talk to somebody. We don't know what happened to Sinead, but she had a difficult life. But wow, what a! I what think a you mean amazing. Suhada. What was her real name? I did not know that. Suhada Sadakwat. Oh, okay. Nice. She converted. Well, I'm nice. glad that one of us can pronounce that. Sinead, I don't know if Sinead I'm pronouncing it right. challenged people for a long time. I have no but, idea if I'm correct, but... Mm. but uh, anyways, a great artist. We're, I'm sorry. I'm personally sorry she's gone because I think she she had a lot to say and she performed a lot and uh, she suffered a lot. But, um, yeah. Sinead, rest in peace. Suhada. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace. Okay. There's my... Great. This is my moment of silence. Um, we love to get your suggestions for room 7609. Please send them to us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail. You can also go to our website, which is mlsoulofdetroit, make a donation. We don't have any donors to thank this week, um, which is very sad. But uh, perhaps that will change next week because it's now possible for you to support the show with a PayPal donation or a Venmo donation. And we should also mention with the merchandise, when you buy our merchandise, we get a cut of that, too. It's probably understood. We don't get the biggest chunk of it, but we get a piece of the action. That helps support the show, too, as well as make you look pretty pretty groovy when you're out there on the streets. Um, feedback. Oh. oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, I, listened to, I listened to the uh, Carlos and Sean podcast this week. As usual, a stimulating show. But... Uh, this notion that the Michigan State-Michigan rivalry has become so toxic and everybody, you know, I, that feels really overblown to me. I don't see people fighting in the streets outside. Wait, who's speaking here? Are you reading something? No, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing your podcast. I thought that. Might oh, so be. the feedback is, there's no feedback. You're just making up another section out of thin air segment. Sorry. Well, okay. other people might consider this a setup or trying to bring you into the conversation because I think you're one of the people who feels that this is so toxic that it should be perhaps ended and everybody should go uh, make a basket. No, 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 no. I don't remember. No, I don't remember writing that it should end at all. Well, I I would, I think it's fair to say uh, if I've listened to your broadcast and read your copy that you're one of the people who is terribly concerned that this has reached critical mass, that it's about to go nuclear and uh, and Lisa, Sean, we're getting to the feedback now. Lisa says, Dear Soul of Detroit podcast, do you think shock jock Mike Valenti's remarks last week on 97.1 FM 
regarding the violence U of M families will face if they attend Spartan Stadium for the U of M rivalry game was good for the Michigan State brand. Don't be there if you're a U of M fan. F around and find out. Don't be surprised if you eat a battery if you're wearing a maize-colored sweatshirt. I'd love to say the nitwit was kidding around, but he introduced the riff with, this is not hyperbolic. Uh, just programming note, everything Mike Valenti says is hyperbolic. Back to the message. To me, it is embarrassing and low class and not just... 90, and not just for, I think there's a word missing, 97.1 to air and pump this crap on their social media accounts, but it hurts the entire MSU brand and alumni base. Very uncool, especially after a campus shooting in MSU's violent tunnel attack last season. Valenti is speaking more violence into existence, exciting criminal behavior on FCC airwaves. Cheers, Lisa. So... When I when I heard as a Michigan alum and fan when I heard his comments, you know what my thought was? Yeah, that's why I haven't been back since two thousand and one because of the way I was treated back then. So I don't know if it is if it's any different now than it was in two thousand and one. You know, we, I had shit we, thrown at me then. So I mean, what what are you gonna do? What what was thrown at you? I don't know. You would get pelted by things here and there. I don't know what they were, coins. Something hard what, was what, thrown. Whatever, at you. enough enough to know that something was thrown at me. I mean, whatever. People are all all of a sudden throwing shit at entertainers yeah. in concerts, and they're throwing I, microphones I, back. Look, yeah, I don't said, throw it at Cardi B. I've said it before. I'll no, say it again. No question. Didn't happen to me at Notre Dame. Never, didn't happen to me at, in Columbus of all places. Just up there, and I don't really. I, don't, I think it's a no win situation to go up there. Well, when I when I go to those games in East Lansing, obviously I'm wearing green and white, so I'm not. Uh, I would not be a target like you might be wearing your 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 blue and uh, maize and um, maize. Uh, Just go. Don't look for a stupid joke. Just continue. Cornflower, whatever it is. Yeah. But he couldn't help himself. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen anybody attacked, and I've no, never. So and hey, I'm sure it happens in Ann Arbor. Has happened in in Ann Arbor too. It's never happened to me, and I've been going to those games. For a long time, too. No one's ever, you know, people have said stupid shit to me. People have That's fun, know, done right? all that. I mean, words no, are fun. I don't, no? I don't think it's fun, but I've never felt threatened. Maybe it's just because they're Wolverines. But uh, I've never felt uh, See, I don't care what anybody says. concerned I mean, for my safety. I've never seen anybody in East Lansing concerned for their safety. Maybe it's because they're so concerned they they run from the stadium ahead of the crowd i don't know but i see people mingling in the bars and the restaurants wearing their maize and blue and doing all that stuff i never have witnessed anybody assaulted and i've never i'm telling you i mean no i i don't i don't uh i don't um doubt what you're saying i'm surprised by it it seems to me that it's told you before an outlier but probably but still but then the knuckleheads win. I don't know why you don't go back. I've I've offered you my protection and Pedro's protection. I don't need anyone's protection. I just don't. I feel like it's a no-win like situation. No. You're know. supposed to win, so if you win, right? Well, sometimes it rains, so I don't know if, if you're going to dissolve in that sugar man. Whatever. But, I thought uh, what, he, what he said was just, I I think you hit the nail on it. My, is, even though he said it's not hyperbolic, it's totally hyperbolic. But, but, but uh, a, it will be a raucous crowd because it's night and... But apart from all that, yeah, there is the vitriol has definitely been dialed up. It's been dialed up going back to people saying horrible things 
about the Nasser incident. Now people are saying horrible things about the Anderson incident. People are talking about the conflict in the tunnel. People are talking about the hypocrisy in the head coaching position the at Michigan. Salt in the tunnel, you mean? Say, say, tell Mike what you were telling me before he got here. What's before that? we started recording the show. You, out of curiosity, you went to several schools. I did say that. In the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just the, said that. Their yeah. message boards oh, to see what the yeah. reaction was. <laughs> About Harbaugh, because I saw... That's another, this is the thing. My perspective, well, real quickly, my perspective last week, and I saw this from, from uh, both sides, when the Harbaugh news broke that there was going to be a likely four-game suspension, Michigan-Michigan State Twitter, right? You know what I mean when we say that. Yeah. That just got... It was just weird. And I saw several people a few days later saying, few days later saying they've just never seen it so ugly now this is just electronically. This is just digitally for sure. But they've never seen it so ugly, and so, and and that's all I was writing about. It's like this. This feels. I'm not saying it's going to be violent. It's going to lead to violence. But it's just. I wish we could. It's exhausting. Can't we just dial it back a little bit? I'm talking about the words. Yeah, yeah. It's one I mean, thing to, to say your, I'm going to beat point. your ass. You suck. Whatever. It's, I mean, I get it's it. It's a Tra- fine line. Trash I, talk I, is I fine. Like, I love trash talk. I think it's great. Trash talk is fun. fun. It is it fun. It doesn't bother me at all. It, it is fun, but. Um, but tell Mike what you saw. Well, I was just reading comments from these boards just, just to get kind of the... Say it the way you said it to me, though. Okay, that. well, the first one was, was the Ohio State board in which, you know, they don't really have any kind of moral high ground, ground to stand on with coaches being suspended because Urban Meyer was suspended three games um, for the Zach Smith situation, or old Bruce's grandson, right? Um, in Penn State, the, most, most of them felt like a four-game suspension was ridiculous for Harbaugh. I, I, to me, it's like, look, he, Harbaugh has no one to blame but himself. So whatever the suspension is, the suspension is. Uh, but there was one group and one message board that I was just surprised. It's like, that's what he deserves. And this is the most egregious penalty ever. And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, or the, what he did was so wrong. And I'm like, wow, that it's just, it seemed disconnected from college football elsewhere, which I thought was weird. I, here's what I think is weird is, taking the most obnoxious and loudest and most reasonable people and then trying to comport them to the norm. This is, it's uh, like, it's like everywhere in the world though. That's he's just gave you an example of how he went to four exact same sites and three of them were reasonable and one of them wasn't. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, so you got some <laughs> right, people Mark? on s- social media, which is basically the, uh, the, the incubator sure. for unreasonable spazzes that we're going to go and read what they have to say and say that that's what the world is like? No, no. One of the reasons why you don't have to worry about those people is because they're in their basement with their keyboard. They're not the people you're going to run into. This isn't into the it. fucking 90s, man, where you're, or the early 2000s where you're using a dial-up. That basement thing, that's long past. We're talking about okay, people on, their, on phones. their phones. I've had coaches tell me privately that, that be not that we're trying to excuse what happened in the tunnel or whatever, but these players in this rivalry are inundated with it on their phones right it's put not down, some it's not some basement right put so down your phones i know turn, i'm with you i agree with you on that part the volume but, down but this isn't don't 10 people in a basement Mike. that's all it. i'm saying i know and i'm saying don't worry about those people because they're not the ones who come out to the games these are a bunch of well, chicken no, shit of cowards are. who are losing their minds i sit in the stands i sit next to people I don't see people sitting there like, oh, I can't wait to tear them apart. I mean, this 
This is I mean, so overblown. But but uh, back, back to Lisa's point. I do think it's overblown. With Mike Valenti should thing. be ashamed of himself. He really? should absolutely Why? be ashamed of himself because I'll tell you it. He knows what he's doing. Why should he be ashamed of himself? Well, because when you try and make money off of misery, that makes you a despicable person. When you try and gin something up. That's 2023, man. Well, then there's something wrong there's with 2023. There's everywhere. Well, but I mean, isn't that what sports radio is? It's all bluster and yelling and. I don't listen to it, so I, I guess I so. Yeah. But but no, I hear lots of stuff. I hear Stosh from Allen Park calling in saying, you know what the Tigers need to do? They need to call, trade all the worst guys so they can get Verlander and Scherzer back and win the good notes time machine and win the World Series. Most of sports radio now is people who have no idea what they're talking about calling in yeah, and so spouting gotta, off. So you got to have somebody. Who, who wrote last year after the game? Was it Graham Couch, the columnist of the Lansing State Journal? Somebody made an argument that the game needed to take a pause for a year. Oh, I know. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's time and, for us and, to stop pretending that all the loudest people are the most important. No, I understand they what you're saying. I don't think it not. should be. No, I don't think it should be paused. I think we should be able to have it and just, just the, just the rhetoric is just that way. It's not just rivalries in college football. It's not just Michigan, Michigan State. It's just so many facets of our in a way, our public life right now. And I'm just, it's just. Well, exhausting. here's some of the rhetoric. In a way, the, it's exhausting. The, to me, the defense of the tunnel assault is way worse than what Valenti said. Oh, God. Because that's something that happened that we all saw with our own eyes. Well, this here's, is something he's talking about. You're talking about. about his defense of the No, just the assault. defense in general. Of, well, first well, of all. Because he's a big defender of that, we too, didn't, right? We didn't see it with our own eyes. We don't know what happened before those guys got in the scuffle. Now, 900 guys on two is never a fair fight, but we don't know everything that happened in there, so we shouldn't pretend that we do. But here's, here's one of the reasons why the rhetoric is getting so heated. Coach Mel Tucker immediately suspended everybody involved, took immediate action. He didn't say, let's wait for the outcome of the investigation. He didn't say we never do anything wrong. He didn't say we're the greatest ever. He took action, action that hurt his team, that cost them a bowl appearance, that may cost him his job, that almost certainly cost him recruits that he needed desperately. Yeah, it's rare to see someone Here's do the right thing. Here's how Jim Harbaugh reacted. We always do everything right. We need to see everybody prosecuted to the full extent of law. Oh, yes, like Mazzie Smith, which you knew about, but you didn't talk about, and you didn't take any action. Jim Harbaugh is a massive hypocrite, and he's sitting here pretending that he's frigging uh, some alabaster saint and everybody else is filthy, and all we keep finding out is that Jim Harbaugh ask you this. is a liar. Let me ask you this. Who believes that? Who believed that? I'm just telling you, the logs that are being thrown onto that? this fire— are being thrown on, in part, by Jim Harbaugh. It's, so I don't want to hear... Yeah, well, and, it's and, all his fault. No, okay. Tucker, no and, it's not all his fault. I'm just saying too. that you want to know why people get fed up. Words and actions because, are different, my man. Okay, can, can we just... Okay, let me just... And, and I know we get it. We need to wrap this podcast up and get out, and we can talk about this maybe on another show, but just think about it this way. Well, there are, a couple, there are two thoughts. One, first of all, to me, it really started to get heated, heated, heated when D'Antonio came along and started beating Michigan. Well, they won, yeah. And that's uh-huh. what started to change it, that they started winning, and then he had the, maybe a, the, he had the greatest line ever in the rivalry, right? The pride comes before yeah. the fall. And then he started beating Michigan's ass, and that changed it. The other thing is, and think about this. We can talk about this some other time maybe. Name me another rivalry in college sports, in football or basketball, where their dynamic is what Michigan, Michigan State is. I don't know, and I don't think that there is one. That's a good question. Where what, classism, what is that where it's classism. Okay. And there's not another classism. one in this country where you classism, have. What do you mean? 
We're elite, you're scum. Exactly. There's not another rivalry where you have huh. uh, a, a public university that's as good a university as Michigan, 60 miles away from a land-grant university, that's comp and they're more or less fairly competitive, you know, and they are in basketball and football too, where everybody that lives in the community, in the larger community, has certain stereotypes and ideas where one school feels like the other schools look down on them for a half a century or whatever it is. And that plays, I, that that plays exist, a part. Does that exist in Oregon? Like, you know, I, I lived in Allen. Allen we were talking about, okay, Washington, Washington State. Washington State's the land-grant school. But Washington, Washington's not Michigan. Texas Texas A&M is a little bit like that, but Texas is not Michigan. A&M is a little bit like state, but in fact, they have a great vet school. Well, I think Washington's a... And that's not an apt example, except that that's probably their biggest rival. And they don't right? care about football at Washington State True. the way they do yeah. at Michigan State. Auburn, Alabama, there's no class distinction yeah. there. I mean, you know, they make It's a fight in a trailer park. Auburn people make fun of Alabama fans because a lot didn't go to the school, but it's not the same. It's not the same. I lived in. I lived down there. There's just. It's a very unique rivalry with a lot of social factors going on, and that's why I also think it's gotten so heated, too. Michigan State fans, we heard it in Mike's voice last fall when this I happened. Tell you, He's sick of it, right? I think He's that's sick ridiculous. Of it. But it's true. It's so, real. I don't know. I have so many friends that have graduated from both schools that are in my social circle. No, no, no. I, 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 don't, no I, understand. I, don't, I don't agree with that. It's a good... Too, it's a too bad school. you don't have enough to to get you a security detail to go to a game in East. I don't Lansing. need a security detail. I just, Sounds like I, you do. No desire to go. No, I'm not. I'm just saying it's it's interesting. The dynamics help? of this particular rivalry are somewhat unique, and the fact that you know two really good football programs. I mean, I know you know up and down some. There's a little bit of the basketball thing. Yeah, the relationship, the proximity, the the way the schools are viewed, uh, all of that. It's really interesting. Yeah. No. It I, makes a great rivalry, but. I think I think that that that's a big part of it. I think Mike Hart's comments really were uh, were uh, fanning the flames, but the flames have been burning for a long time. Even from Michigan trying to keep Michigan State from getting in the Big Ten. I mean, there's been a there's been a you know you don't belong here. You don't. We don't need people like you here. So is it really that different now than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago? No, that's what I'm saying. Another thing that I I don't I think that this has always been out there. I think the fact that we're paying attention to these social media trolls, well, I think the bigger, is a bigger problem. I, I don't think the biggest difference is the success that state had. In that the, changed in the last it. Decade. That Absolutely. totally changed it. Well, no, for sure. So I'm no Schembechler fan, but I don't remember Schembechler saying and doing shit like uh, like Harbaugh has. Now maybe it's just because well, I wasn't like paying as, as close attention. Like but. what shit? Well, he's, 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 the dude's a fucking liar. I mean, oh, I've got no interest in the NFL. I'm going to NFL. Uh, but then he goes around telling me, no, no, coach. I got news for you. No, no. A lot so, of them are liars. Right. But, but here's the difference is there's, well. And they all hold them up as, you know, being, um, very sanctimonious and these leaders of men and they're all the fucking same. Well, I think Spartan fans, a lot of Spartan fans think of a lot of Michigan folks. It's just uh, the university itself is just sanctimonious in general. Right. Here's, take the, take the Ohio State rivalry, right, problem. Mike? Michigan State fans know in their blood that Michigan's most important rival is Michigan State. Michigan fans will never admit that because they don't want to admit that. They'll always say it's Ohio State. But you ask any Michigan fan that, that what's what's more painful, which loss is more painful, of course it's the Spartans. Now, which win is more fun is Ohio State. Without a doubt. 
but the but the because the, of the responses, right? But the emotion. Oh, but what do you respond more? Like any athlete will always tell you, it's much more. It's much harder. The pain of losing is more intense than the joy of winning. Expectations. It's just, that's just life. Expectations. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And Michigan State feels that for Michigan, and Michigan would never admit that. Here's here's where things have changed a little bit. You got Jim Harbaugh calling for people on the other team to be prosecuted criminally. He did that at Ohio State, too, by the way. While right? turning his back Remember? on his own players and pretending they've done nothing wrong when they have. And that's 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 what's different with him and Shem Beckler. I don't remember Shem Beckler ever saying, I want people on the Spartans prosecuted. Now, maybe nobody got their ass beat in the tunnel under Shem Beckler. That may be another story. I don't know. But this whole tunnel thing, way blown out of proportion, way blown out of proportion. That's Michigan people trying to make a huge deal out of this and their coach running with it. Two guys ran their mouth in a tunnel and got slapped around. That shit happens around? all okay. the time. What injuries did they have? Concussions? Mm-hmm. S- somebody out of the game? Were they, did they go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, they did. What, what happened to them? Tell, re- re- it, refresh my memory. Was it green out for a while? I don't oh, know. Okay. Those guys that's didn't fine. even play. If, if, if you think that's normal and that's fine, then okay. Great. I don't think that's normal, and I don't think that's You've fine. You've made a lot of excuses about it. But I'm telling you, shit happens. You run your mouth, then why did he take a and plea shit's going to happen. Why, why did he take a plea deal for assault? Why was he charged? Oh, because it's in Washtenaw County? No, because these guys want to get on with their lives. They want to resolve okay. the case. They got deals that were great deals that made... This is not even on their record. I think if you check their record now, it's yeah, gone. because of the plea deal. Uh-huh. Because people make plea deals like this all the time to make the case go Including away. Including Mozzie Smith. So what's the difference between Mozzie Smith and these guys in the tunnel? They didn't use a deadly weapon. Mozzie Smith is running around with a deadly weapon, driving through a neighborhood he where he could... Did he could, use it on anybody? You know what? They both broke the law. Sure. They're totally different laws. The, the issue, and, I'm not, and I'm not saying, Monty probably should have been, I wish that we would prosecute gun laws a little more strongly than what they do. Believe me, there's like, a lot of people in Ingham County wish they prosecuted course, gun laws a lot <laughs> more strongly than they should have. What I'm saying is, yeah. what I'm saying is, Jim Harbaugh goes out there and says, what these guys did in the tunnel is outrageous. We always want the law fully enforced. And then his guy comes along and he doesn't want shit to happen not a damn thing and that's where it's different thanks lisa that was a great it's different question and that led to some nice discussion there we go i don't know it seems like the same old discussion all i would say is going back to valenti though is it really going to be that bad if if you want to live so no if you want to live one team's three and three if you want to live a fuller, happier life, that's the trash talk. You got a smile out of Sean. Sean liked the trash talk. I, I don't know, I don't know if ML talk. ignored it or if it went over. I his love head. that kind of trash talk. It's fun. Ignore everybody on social media. Your life will be fuller and happier. And if somebody throws a penny at you once, you should still come back to their town. The problem is everybody's on social media. Maybe best, tra- best, that, my favorite trash what talk line ignore? ever. Charles Barkley. Right, everybody remembers Charles Barkley, but maybe not everybody. Maybe not everybody remembers AC Green. He was a forward mm-hmm. for the Los Angeles Lakers, virgin, mm-hmm. very, virgin, very devout Christian, a good player, but couldn't shoot. Yep. Charles Barkley once said to him, "AC, if God is so good, why didn't He give you a jump shot?" That's <laughs> he said that to him. <laughs> That's a great piece of trash. He said that on yeah. the. He said that to him on the court when they were That's playing. Fun, when they, when right? they, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's just awesome. 
And I, I actually, I forgot, uh, before the tunnel assault, there was the grievous bodily harm inflicted on Devin Bush when he was clotheslined on the field at Spartan Stadium. So there's actually, there's a, there's a history. I thought of, we'd moved on. There's a history of violence here. Ted, uh, Ted getting in under the no. wire once again. Oh, here he Ted. is, Ted, sneaking it in. Is it, you sure he didn't mean Cyrus? <laughs> ML, I love this. And since you're a Detroit homeowner, I assume this is especially good news to you. Is this considered broken windows where you enforce little things to improve the city's overall perception and push back on anything goes reputation? Now, Ted is referring to a story in the free press the other day about a guy from Melvindale, a plumber, who has been littering the city with these pop-up signs, these lawn signs that show up in public property in front of homes illegally. People don't want them. They're unsightful. When they get ratty, they just fall apart. Nobody pulls them down. Well, this guy's been busted. And Ted says, the city is finally enforcing laws against the yard signs illegally dumped on every corner, telephone pole, and median. Sincere thank you to Duggan for this. Next, Duggan should start criminally charging folks for litter. I mean that very sincerely. Every commute to the office, I see jackasses throwing fast food and beverage containers out of their cars. This entire region needs to deep clean. That's from Ted, he says, in Oakland Township. Um, P.S. A story on the underbelly exposing the illegal sign industry would be fascinating. I assume the political yard sign companies pivoted to this. Are they cold calling random small businesses pitching this illegal advertising? Someone is getting rich off it. These illegal signs are everywhere. So, um, you guys are hearing this as I'm reading it. I haven't had time to process it. Do you think Ted's being sarcastic about Duggan, or do you think he's really glad that these signs are being torn down and somebody's going after him? Well, I thought we are going to talk about the deep clean. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. He they certainly... Could do, they could do a lot more than what they're doing, but this is the brilliance of it. It's, it's, it's a start. <laughs> yeah, I think he's... Uh, looks like you're doing something. This is like the hyperbole section. I don't think that every commute to the office sees jackasses oh. throwing fast food and beverage containers out of their cars. The the highways would be full to the uh, curb. But uh, but yeah, I I you know I I see these signs. I'm the uh, street rep for Outer Drive and Whittier in East English Village, and I tear these signs down when I see them because they shouldn't be there. They're ugly. And one time I called somebody who posted some, and they said I'll come and take them down, and they did. And mm-hmm. I thought that was respectful because. We didn't need to know that he could rid our yards of weeds by littering our medians with billboards and yard signs. We used to throw, not we, we as in my family, but uh, when we were young, people threw shit out the car all the time. Oh, yeah. Until the Native Americans started crying. Yeah. And in Texas, I remember the campaign, Don't Mess With Texas, that started in the late 80s, and they used Dallas Cowboys... Randy White and some other, you know, Two Tall Jones. Uh, Super Bowl MVP picking up, Randy picking White, up right? garbage. Yeah, picking up garbage on the side of the freeway and looking into the camera, squeezing it and throwing it away, saying, don't mess with Texas. That campaign actually helped and worked. And then Michael but, Irvin did, don't mess with X's. Yeah, right. No, that's that's good. So, yeah, no, we've come a long way with that, but still. Too, yeah. much, too much litter. You know how it is. The snow melts around here, and all of a sudden there's a landfill mm-hmm. on the side of the road. Dude. People have been throwing it out all winter. So glad to see things getting cleaned up. But um, but yeah, how do they pick which ones to go after? I don't know. But uh, but yeah, no, don't don't give a hoot. Don't pollute. That's kind of catchy. Maybe yeah, very catchy. It's, it's, use that one. It's, uh, it's, Only yeah. you can prevent forest it's, fires. It's, it's good to see you, man. 
It's good to be back in here. <laughs> I've I've had a better several days. I'll tell you that. It's been a good. It's a, a good show. Good guest. But next week, next week is going to have a great guest. Not that Alex and John weren't great guests. Yeah, Very come on, man. Fine gentlemen, and uh, interesting how they create this art. But next week, we're going to be joined by Peter Leonard, the son of Elmore Dutch Leonard, who has been a consultant on the reboot of Justified. And he's an author in his own right. His, uh, he's got a book that just came out in paperback. So he's going to come in and talk about his work, talk about Justified and what it was like to help Timothy Oliphant bring the Justified franchise to Detroit because this new season is based in Detroit, not in Kentucky anymore. They're here on the mean streets of Detroit, even though many of those mean streets were really Chicago, but at least they're in the Midwest. So Peter Leonard will be joining us next week on the show. Please tune in for that. We appreciate when you rate the show. We love when you share the show. Uh, Folks have been following us on social media at Elric. That is the one place on social media where you can pay attention. Or on Facebook, ML Elric. We like to get your comments. We like to get your suggestions. And, of course, we love to get your feedback. So keep it coming, even if you wait till the last minute, like Ted. But it's better to be in the game than to be on the sidelines because somebody threw something at you 20 years ago. Yep, that's all it was. <laughs> oh, it's I, and honestly, I don't think it's that big a deal. I just shows that I have no desire to go back. I think Cyrus agrees. You absolutely have no desire to go back. That's for sure. But you know, uh, I think that's unfortunate. And I think so does Cyrus. I think it's <laughs> it's only by real people looking each other in the face that we take some of the poison out of this rivalry. Because you can talk shit about people and you can get angry about people, but when you see them. Face to face, when you have to look into their eyes, you see their humanity and you realize other than some unfortunate fashion choices, they're not that different than you are. And that's the thing about this rivalry. Whether you went to Michigan, whether you went to Michigan State, whether you went to Wayne State or Central or Western or Olivet or any of those places, we are all trying to make something of it here in this great state. We all want of the same things, Mike, right? And if you're if your self-worth no, no, you had and a your self-esteem there. comes from where you went to school, <laughs> Did that give him it's chuckle? okay to be yeah. proud of it, but if you think it makes you better than anybody else, you've missed the whole point. You are the Sean Windsor of the world. That means nothing. I mean, I'm nothing. I guess you could take it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, good point. Yeah, we all want the same stuff. And and what do we say? Say it. No, you say it, Mike. Because that's the kind of show we have. I've said what I've had to say. It's collaborative. Is Tony going to be on the uh, Carlson Sean no, podcast? No, he's already been on the podcast. He's uh, Yeah, that was enough. Tony Garcia, star turn. Love Tony Garcia. On the uh, Carlson Sean podcast. Yeah. I was thinking of the Tony and Friends podcast might be a, a new a new direction. That sounds good. That sounds great. How about the Cyrus podcast? I guess so. Can you dig that? Can you dig (laughs) it? Just take us out. Can you dig it? I hear you, baby. Loud and clear. Forget the head. Put a bag over it and do your business. Well, am I right, Mark and Sean? You bet. ML. You know it, Chairman. You were a little slow that time. (laughs) Sorry.